Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, women athletes get paid just the same as male ones. Serena Williams' birthday is a national holiday. And PTSD election films should be banned from the theater. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> what a like casual little way to start a podcast. How Hi. Are, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. I'm a little cold. Yeah, your cold whole body is like, you're, you're tense and you're bundled. Oh, this movie is making me nervous. Oh my gosh. Well, don't let it make you nervous. Don't let, don't let it hold that power. Let it go. Release it. Let shake it, it out. Oh, we can't afford copyright on that. <laughs> <laughs> how goes it oh i'm good i'm kind of i'm yeah i mean you're making me a little nervous to get into this one today oh, okay All because right. i was kind of shocked that you like wanted to talk about this film well i saw it on a plane and this is usually what happens like when i watch film or television is i want to text you and go did you fucking see that i know well we've always had that relationship yeah this like, is part of the reason me, we started a podcast excuse me can can somebody weigh in on this because i have this is the thing about we're going to talk about the movie, The Battle of the Sexes. I feel like there was, <sighs> I don't even know where to start. I feel like there was, this movie was made with the intention to uplift and share a woman's story. Mm-hmm. However, this is something that happens kind of within feminist rhetoric is like people assume that equal means giving men and women the same amount of space. When really, I mean, we need to understand and name that women's stories are marginalized and so we need to uplift them Mm -hmm. to have more space you know in these conversations specifically around gender and feminism Mm -hmm. and what confused me about this movie is that i felt like they were doing an equal share of experiences that was not actually serving the story that i think they were aiming to tell and i was very confused i and and we'll get into kind of the nuances of how they kind of this unravels but I found it to be very confusing. Yeah. And thus I wanted to talk about it with you. Yeah. I mean, that's a great place to come to this film with because I felt very much the same way. I saw Battle of the Sexes when it first came out in theaters mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I love the story of it. I remember my mom telling me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember her like uh, interaction with that whole period with Billie Jean King. Um but watching it, I just felt so – it's like every muscle in my body was tense. And there was something about it that just did not sit well with me. And it was yeah. kind of packaged as like this biopic about um, Billie Jean King. But then it was like also about Steve Carell. And like I was just like, what are we doing here? Is this actually feminist? Yeah. Is that why I'm so uncomfortable is because this film isn't actually feminist? Well, you know what I think happened? And this is to no fault of the filmmakers, but I think they – I, as we all did, thought Hillary would be president. And so I think they thought this movie was going to be like, hey, we got a woman president. So this to me felt a bit feminist light because there were no stakes at that point. And I think people thought, oh, this is going to be a fun movie and, you know, we're going to relive this thing. And But because it came, because Hillary is not our president, um, I think then it turned it on its head and this movie felt like a betrayal of a woman's experience who has to resist and go up against this man who 
very much is in line with and reminds us of our current president. Wow. Yes. You just, yeah, that names it completely. That is everything I felt in the, in the theater watching it. I was like, oh my God, I know she wins, but, but like, what are we going to do? Like, do I really have to watch this incredibly qualified, incredibly talented woman up Mm -hmm. against this like asshole guy? Like, what are we doing? It was so stressful for me to watch this movie. Yeah. Rachel Withers wrote an article called Every Moment in Battle of the Sexes that will remind you of the 2016 election. When she trains and he cuts quarters, basically she just does these bullet points, which I'm reading to you now. Um, When he proves a master of cheap publicity stunts. When he demonstrates a knack for catchy slogans and stupid nicknames. When he seems more interested in fame than the larger issues at stake. When she gets the flu, prompting observers to suggest she'll drop out. When she faces hefty pressure to win on behalf of all women. Like there are, I mean, and I can keep going, but there are, we can clearly see the parallels of this with the election are uncanny. Yeah, which, yeah, going back to your point, not the fault of the filmmaker. This was, I mean, my mom made the parallel between Billie Jean King and I'm blanking on his name. Oh, the man? Yeah. I will look it up for us. Bobby Um, Riggs. Bobby Riggs, right. My mom, as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as Trump was the candidate for the Republican Party and Hillary was the Democrat, um, she made the comparison immediately. And she was just like, wow, this is so much like the battle of the sexes. And the media coverage of it. She's like, we haven't progressed at all. Like, she's like, this is still like the narrative that we're serving. Mm -hmm. So the filmmakers, like, totally not their fault. But this really did feel like I was getting a tennis racket to the face. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt. I, I saw this movie on a plane, like, two weeks ago. I cannot imagine seeing and it made me mad then. I cannot imagine seeing it after the election. Because what you want to go into this movie is like, yes, like give us the space, create the story about Billie Jean King. Like she's such an LGBTQ icon. She's such a women getting the same pay as men, Title IX icon, feminist icon. And then what you do is you go in and then you just feel unseen and you feel angry. And I think they do a good job of kind of naming how frustrating it is when you have a buffoon who's yelling and being obnoxious and you have to be the one who's shaking violently and keeping your voice steady and like not able to act out as a woman. I think that they really nailed. But man, this was a this one gave me a lot of roller coaster of emotions because I felt like at times I think they really got it right and they they clearly were trying to serve a story. Even I read an interview with the directors who are um, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, and they're actually a married couple, which I thought is super interesting. That's really intense to have to direct with your partner. Yeah, and they also directed Little Miss Sunshine. Oh. Yeah, which should kind of give you an idea Amazing. of also kind of, I think something that they did really well was, you know, creating Bobby Riggs as this three-dimensional character. You know, he's kind of a family man, but he's a goof and his relationship and blah, blah, blah. And I felt like the directors, and I'm going to project here, but it felt like they loved Steve Carell and they knew him and they wrote this part for him. And then I felt like Emma Stone, I don't know, maybe because it was just a softer, harder, quieter. Hers should have been way more complex. And I wasn't feeling as dimensional in her spaces. I really loved her in this film. I I loved her in this film, but I felt I felt he kind of outshone her, he out whatever her. I don't know. Felt like he was given more space. Well, he was. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that just because I think that's just the case of like she's she's playing the quiet, put your head down and do the work character, mm-hmm. and he's playing the like here, look at all these things around me, and then I'm going to take up all the air in every room I walk into. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean the scene at the very beginning where Emma Stone talks to like I'm going to call him the tennis commissioner, mm-hmm. who basically is like, well, man, like you guys don't women don't bring out enough money for us to pay you guys equally. And she's like, here are all the stats. Here's all the history. Here's all the work I've done for this conversation. Here's why you should pay me equally. Absolutely. And here's actually the situations where you should pay me more because I have brought all of these eyeballs. I won all of these championships. Like she's just like done her homework. I'm so Sarah Silverman in this movie. Oh, uh, I hate Sarah Silverman. <gasps> yeah, no. Oh, no. All right. She was good, but I'm like, I thought it was so that fun. That could have been I thought we had some else. really fun, just like, I know it could have been played by anybody. I liked her. I liked the guy who plays um, the hairdresser or the fashion guy, yes. Eli Gold, who plays Eli Gold in uh, The Good Cumming. Wife. Great. I thought <gasps> what fun little cameos we got for this. Alan Cumming is phenomenal in everything he does. But he really is. He really shines like a little bright light in this. He's a firefly. I wrote down a really funny quote that he said, which made me really laugh when he said it. <laughs> or no, maybe Sarah Silverman said it. Oh, we'll, we'll get to it as we, yeah. as we go down. Oh. <laughs> this is the actual line in the movie when they're asking why um, Billie Jean King chose to take the to choose the match or to take the match or whatever and Sarah Silverman goes it's fate sweetie coming at her like a runaway train and I was like what a weird hello what a weird bizarre little line that's like a hard line to, like, and I just had to read it to you right now I mean that's gonna be the descri- description for this episode <laughs> it's fate sweetie it's fate um, yeah, I I thought there were really, I mean, that's why it's so hard to watch. Again, it comes back to just like seeing her have all of this homework and this guy just could care less. Well, it's interesting oh because God. I feel like if Hillary had won, this movie would have been a good anchor to show us the history of how hard it is to exist with men who are crazy like this. And because, you know what I mean? Like, even the director talks about somebody in an interview was like, oh, I thought the movie was really uplifting. And and the Valerie Ferris was like, oh, tell me more about that, because that wasn't our intention. Mm. They didn't want the movie to be uplifting. They wanted it to really show Billie Jean King's struggle, Mm -hmm. which I think that they really nailed. And I think you can kind of see that, especially at the last scene when she wins and she kind of asks to be alone. Yeah. Because, like, the heaviness of this burden that's been placed on her is so overwhelming that she's like, she releases and she cries. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really powerful. So I do think the election really fucks with the lens on this. Yeah. I also, in going back to the conversation about giving men and women kind of equal space in this film, mm-hmm. I really hated, could not have hated more, hate, 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 underscore, bold, italic, underline, mm-hmm. um, showing Bobby Riggs, giving him the space in the dressing room with his wife after the... Why is his relationship like an underlying like little gold silver lining in a cloud. Who cares? I'm like shaking my head so hard. At the end of the movie, Diana, at the end of the movie, they go, Billie Jean King fought for women's equality, got like equal pay for women in tennis, and they wrote Bobby Riggs got back together with his wife. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are we putting these people on this? Is this what this movie is about? This man and his relationship? I was like, I can't believe at the end of the movie we're supposed to wrap it up and like show these historical spaces that we're putting. Who cares about Bobby Riggs? Who cares that his wife came at the end? Nobody cares. I mean, the minute she just won this goddamn tennis competition against this monster and is like, I just couldn't even believe it. Yeah. Uh, 
we should not have heard the name or seen Steve Carell on screen after she won. Mm-hmm. It should have she should have taken over that whole ending. It should have been about her, been yeah. about her redemption. Not redemption, but just been about her feeling finally redemption seen. is a good word. She finally feels seen, so let's see her. Let's yeah. see her just take up all that space. And oh my <sighs> God, when he's like holding his head in his hands in the in the change room, I'm just like, who cares? Yeah. Like I well, it goes not. back to that idea that like men and women's stories and that equality is about like showing both of them, and it's like no, actually, it's not. Yeah, and Umer and I actually saw this movie when we first started dating. Oh boy! And it was, oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> and we went and saw it on a whim. So it was like he's like, "Hey, do you want to go see Battle of Sexes? That looks like kind of a cute little film to check out in an afternoon." And I was and like, "You unleash from us rage on him." Yeah, I was like, "So here's a side of me that you're gonna learn about." <laughs> And we got better to get it out of the way right oh, up front yeah. in a relationship. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I was like, you know what? If I don't get a text back tomorrow, I'll know why. <laughs> um, it's because of Steve Carell. Yeah, turns out he married me, and this is all fine. But um, yeah, it it really would have been because of Steve Carell because we really got in a huge fight about. I did not need to see his face after mm. she won. I didn't need to see him in like half the scenes. <laughs> they made this movie a lot about him. And I thought he was his character was big enough, fleshed out enough that we didn't need to be like bouncing from one to the other. I felt like I didn't really get to see more of I don't know, I feel like there was a lot missing with Billie Jean King and her relationship. I wanted to see and feel more of that. I thought Emma Stone and the woman who played her partner mm-hmm. had beautiful chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um at points it was a bit male gazy. Yeah. And that made me deeply uncomfortable because sure. I was like, this is a love story that I want to like get behind and root for, um, which I thought was a, such a brilliant thread to put in the film because they did meet at a hair studio or whatever, which I thought was really cool. Oh, and this scene, the beautiful filming facing the mirror and Emma Stone is just in the shot, but you can't see the woman she's talking to and mm-hmm. what Emma Stone is able to convey for like kind of that lusty, like, yeah. Ooh, I'm digging. I the did feel like that out. scene went on a little too long. Oh, I loved it. Like I thought we get it, but I think that that's exactly what I struggled with for the rest of the film is that that's beautiful. That's mm-hmm. like, it was almost like call me by your name level of like intimacy. Yeah. Without, without it being a sex scene, that mm-hmm. level of intimacy when you're like in a public space, like just chatting with your hairdresser. Yeah. Um, they had That's great chemistry. The beauty. That's the beauty of this film. And it's not in giving Steve Carell and Emma Stone equal screen time. Like mm-hmm. It's just so frustrating to me that that's what they did with the script. Yeah. And also her husband and the very complicated relationship she has with her husband. Wow. That was really interesting. In the scene where he comes to the hotel room and he's like following. The oh, wo- yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That right. stuff, that kind of choreographed, like, really, and the acting is, like, tour de force. The only thing I also thought was a bit strange was they had that one woman kind of play her nemesis on the tour who had the baby. Yeah. And I felt like that seemed a bit... I don't know, like, she was like, oh, she must be gay. Like, there was, she was, I think they were trying to, like, add the stakes of what being gay would be like on the tour. Certainly, and I think yeah. that was what her character was trying to be in the film. And showing the isolation, I think. Like women, just because you're a woman didn't mean you're really for women. Mm-hmm. I think that also showed the isolation of Billie Jean King and taking on that match with Bobby Riggs is like, there were a lot of women who weren't cheering for her. Like, you know, like right. it's like, it's Good not point. like she had, it's not like it's divided down sex and gender lines. It's like, no, there's actually a lot of deeply held assumptions with her being gay and her being closeted. 
you know, people are judging her. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted her character to be... I don't know. Maybe the writing was weird. Something was off about that character. I can't name it. Yeah. I think she served the purpose she was supposed to serve. Yeah. Um, but there was something weird about Maybe it. Maybe a bit stock. You felt she was... It felt, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it felt it was a little, a little too... The, I think it was the writing. Yeah. I think they give her a little bit of depth or something. I don't know. But then it, I, I really think they just wanted to make the movie like between... Right, right. They didn't really want to get too in-depth with anyone other yeah. than the two mains. Okay. So... I think that's probably make, just... Yeah, two mains, maybe one main. I don't know. I really, I'm so annoyed that Steve Carell got so much space. He did a great job. He played this character great. We've seen this character before. He does a brilliant job. It was it was clearly made for him. Yeah. Um, And Emma Stone did a beautiful job, too. I just wish we would have connected the dots more here, people. I also wish that, and this is like a promo press tour thing. So while they were promoting the film, um, obviously equal pay was something that came up a lot in both the context of Yeah, women. do we know how much Steve Carell and Emma Stone made on this movie? <laughs> I'd like to know where they That'd were good at thing, in this no, conversation. No. Right. Um, but it was funny because, you know, equal pay in Hollywood, equal pay in sports. That was, they had Bob, Billie Jean King come on tour with Steve Carell and Emma Stone. So she was a part of all the conversations. Amazing. So cool. Um, but Emma Stone and Billie Jean King got in a little bit of a fight at one of the Tell me more. at one of the press junkets. Well, Emma Stone was talking about how women earn twenty three cents to the dollar of men, and Billie Jean King interrupted her and was like, "Yeah, if you're a white woman, oh boy," and just made Emma Stone look like a jerk. Mm. And I was like, "Guys, can we get on the same page, please? Like backstage and while we're preparing for this stuff, yeah, there is that that does nothing to serve a the film, right. b feminism, and like." It just makes Emma Stone look like a ditzy actress. And right. it was just like, come on, you guys. I think I think emotions were running really high on this because they probably did get so many election questions and so many. You can't imagine. Yeah. I also know Emma Stone's very sensitive about representation and, her, and intersectionality specifically. It's something she kind of, I don't want to say fears, but I've heard her talk about it on like Women of the Hour, how after that, remember that film where she played the Hawaiian person or the Asian person came out yeah. and she like hid for like months because she felt so bad. And yeah. I think she was so deeply emotionally affected by it. I'm sure that that really hit her in a in Yeah, a way. it was it was kind of a low blow to me. It was mm. kind of like we and maybe Billie Jean King was just like. She didn't mean it to be. Maybe she didn't. Right. Because but, that's something that you should name that white right. women do have the privilege of. But, like, let's get on the same page about right. it is my thing. That was For kind sure. of, like, almost unfeminist. It was just, like, a little. All right. Let's not call it Billie Jean King unfeminist. <laughs> no, no, no. For women, like, in press junkets, I think public facing, it doesn't serve anything to, like, I hear what you're be saying. that way. For sure. For sure. Oh my God, Billie Jean King, no. I mean, I've, I've, I heard, um, I went to an event in New York. Were you, I don't know. Did you go with me to this? And we, were you, were you here? <laughs> this is actually a question. Um, where I heard <laughs> Billie Jean King's, like somebody who trained with her or under her speak. Did you go to this thing with me? No, but you told me about it. Yeah. And it was just really cool. Cause she was like, you know, Billie Jean King is very, um, encompassing of wanting to bring everybody along. And she knew that this young girl really was interested in tennis. So she started training with her and, you know, showing her what she was doing and just, you know, the idea of really being there to support other athletes and other women is not something that's just part of her, you know, activism, but is something that she really practices. So, mm. you know, and I've, I've heard um, her speak at TED Women and she really, Billie Jean King does the work. Absolutely. And that's how she started in tennis is, I forget which like major, I don't know tennis stars very well, but 
some major tennis star handed her a ball. She was sitting on like the court volunteering at a match. Yeah. And he handed her, her the tennis ball and was like, you know, do, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing? And she's like, I want to be a tennis player. And he's like, then you don't stop until you become that. And that's literally, and her dad was with her and he like took note. It was mm-hmm. like, wow, like that is, that seed has been planted and I, I want to support you all the way. I love it. So, and she describes that in the movie, which I think is very cool. They gave that a lot of space. Yeah. Um. So yeah, her, she's just done so much for women and she deserved a better movie. <laughs> oh my God. Add her to like the Misty Copeland. Oh, she's, what is with these women in sports movies? I don't know. I'm just gonna struggling. I'm just gonna cruise my notes here and see if there's anything else that we. They did get equal pay, did get equal pay for the movie. This just in, Kent has fabulous. Confirmed well, that's great. Pay. I loved the '70s colors. I thought like the sets and the outfits and the yeah everything was, was great. great. All the girls on the team, the touring team, were so great. Oh, they were fabulous. Um, why? Why didn't the not that we care about bit Bobby Riggs, but why didn't his son go to the match? Do you remember that part? He was well, like, "I'm not going to go, Dad." Well, they're like estranged, right? Like Bobby Riggs was not around to raise his kid. Okay, that was really weird, and that was they made that into a dramatic dramatic scene. And I was like, I don't. Do I know why this is important? I Do don't we know. care why this is important? I don't know. It was just like <laughs> a little bit confusing. Yeah, that was also that was a very weird thing to try i did write that they should give us um i wanted more like historical context of how heavy it was to be a gay person during this time because i feel like aside from being shamed by that one woman i felt like you know i was reading um a lot of about Billie jean king and when she finally did come out which was actually like 10 years after that match she lost all of her promotional deals all of her ad deals she took a huge financial hit actually her partner um, outed her, mm. which was also probably really horrific for her not to be able to control that narrative on herself. She lost hundreds and thousands of dollars in endorsements. And I would have liked to see maybe like, what are the stakes here? I know personally with her relationship with her husband, you know, people are shaming her because Catholics, whatever, but I would have liked, there's actual consequences to this. And, you know, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think just like speaking to the exploitation that you put yourself up to, or that, you know, people who were not able to live their truth, put themselves up to like, you don't actually get to do this job if you come out and be Mm. your full self. Yeah, you have to hide because you don't get to be a tennis player and like live your life. Yeah, that actually reminds me. I wanted to um, issue a public apology during our Valentine's Day episode. Oh, my God. Because we spent a lot of time thinking and talking about heteronormative relationships, which are mostly what rom-coms are. Yeah. But I feel like we don't (laughs) get to ever really see or celebrate LGBTQ people on screen and their love stories. And I just wanted to name that. Well, let's do an episode about it. Blue is the warmest color. Call me by your name. Mulholland Drive. I just, I was listening to an interview with someone the other day and they were just talking about how like when they came out, you know, like 10 years ago, they got kicked out of their house and like how that's such a normal Mm -hmm. part of the process of choosing, not choosing, but choosing to tell the people that you love who you really are. And, And what a horrible burden. And like historically, we still have so much work to do. I would have loved this movie to you know, be able to give space to that. Yeah. Stakes are high. Let's feel it. Yeah. I wanted to feel that way more. And I wanted to feel the boy versus girl way less. (laughs) It's like they didn't need to. Like, we could already feel it so much. We get it. I mean, we get it at this point. Yeah. We needed to hear. We needed. You're so right. That's such a great point. We needed to feel the LGBTQ burden of owning your truth, speaking out, and really embodying the fullest version of yourself. 
because that's what the story is. Yeah. Something else I did like too is um, when they were talking about the press conference and not having a hairdresser, I never really thought about how women in um, sports and athletes and I don't even know the verbiage, but like, yeah, you do need a hairdresser and you need a makeup artist. And like the cost of being a woman, my friend Bobby was messaging me the other day and he's like, is this how much hair ties should be? Is this how expensive they are? And I was like, I, this is something I think about all the time is like, how much money do we spend being fucking women? And I wish the government would give us like a stipend to like be able to upkeep our existence. Not only does the government not give us a stipend, they charge us more. <laughs> so the pink tax is alive and well, ladies. Yeah, I mean, I refuse to color my hair because it costs so much. I went to Target with Umer. Uh huh. This is a great story already. And he wanted to. <laughs> and he was looking for razors and face wash. And mm-hmm. I was looking for face wash. And like perusing, like, how much more we yeah. pay for the same products mm-hmm. or maybe even worse products. Like, there was like this one package of razors that had like a, it was like 12 blades and it was for like 40 bucks. And then there was a package for women that had, I think it was five blades. It was like a Venus razor mm-hmm. for 32. And I was Very just famous. like, what is happening here? It's like incredible when you actually look at branding, marketing, like the way that we, those, there was maybe two feet difference between the women's section and the men's section. And the price was astronomical. Yeah. Well, it's wild even to think about like, you know, having to get like your eyebrows done or like coloring your roots and it just, it really, it adds up so fast and it's obscene. Yeah. I went to Sephora. This is another great story. I went to <laughs> Sephora and there was like a- Tell us where you're Yeah, I know. It was like the 3D highlight pixel package of like all these different highlighters. And I'm like, mm-hmm. men will never know. Men will never know yeah. what this is to like, and you don't need to buy it, but- well, it's interesting, too, because, like, I'm running out of, like, my mascara. Like, everything runs out at the same time. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I need my s- staples for, especially for speaking. Yeah. And it's like, God damn it. I'm going to have to invest, like, $200 and just restocking my shit. It sucks. Yeah. It's such a weird thing to participate as a woman, but especially public-facing And I never society. thought that, like, I thought about the fact that, like, yes, Billie Jean King and all these tennis players, if they're going to do press conferences, if they're going to do whatever, like, they have to pay for hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. Like, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course you do. Yeah. Not a question. Yeah. Well, Hillary, I mean, when she gets into her book of how many hours she spent in the makeup chair to do the same job as a man. Think about how many hours they spend, people. She calculated it. It's it's like thousands. Wild. Years. To do the same job. That's, like, the, the part that blows my mind. To do the same thing as the man across the table from you, as Bobby Riggs, that as you're going to get judged because of whatever color lipstick you're wearing anyway, and you're just fucked anyway. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Would you recommend this movie to people? Yeah, I would. I would because it was such a huge historic moment. You know, my mom said this was like the first time she prayed was when Billie Jean King was going to face Bobby Riggs, and Hysterical. she's like, "I got on my knees," and she's like, "God, if she doesn't win, we're screwed." Oh my God, the stakes of the what stakes. this woman had to go through. Oh yeah. My God. So I really think it's it's such a big moment in feminism. It's such a big moment um, for women in sports. Isn't there an eight, like a documentary though, yeah, or something makers. you could watch that would be better? Well, Makers made a doc, but I would say if you want to, it's a great. I think it's a good movie because it's it's a talking point. It really is. Like, it. How do you feel about it? I think okay. it's great. I don't know. I might. I might explore the other avenues of Billie Jean King's story or read maybe I'm sure she has a book or something I don't know if I would subject someone to trying to stomach 
the, the anti-feminist. I don't think it's anti-feminist. Nuances. I, I think you I'm, should. I, I think, think you should it is that. anti-feminist. I think it's not feminist. I think this movie is not about Billie Jean King. And if yes. you want to learn about Billie Jean King, you should go somewhere else to do that. I think you should do both. I think you should get like a full range view of this because it was a really big moment in history. I'm not also, saying you should know about acting it. when she oh, wins the match yeah, and she, she does the great thing throw, it. like she does the throw her hands up in the air and she throw is, the racket. Her hair Beautiful. is great in it too. <laughs> I don't know. I'm conflicted. Eli Gold is good. I don't know. I'm on the fence about this. This one. I don't think you are. I think you just think it shouldn't be watched. <laughs> I think it was hard. It was a, as we're talking about it. I'm really unpacking a lot of aggravation around this idea of like having them be in these equal spaces and that really bugs me so that's fair that's where i'm at i'm with you i'm right there with you yeah cool well thank you for uh diving into this one with me so glad we got to talk about it finally tennis racket to the face (laughs) that's the name of this episode happy feminist wednesday thanks kat so much bye guys happy feminist wednesday Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.